You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are Your Community Spirit. All right, let's see if I can do that. Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Again, this is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And let's freak out a little bit here. Alarm as study reveals world's tropical forests are huge carbon emission source. The world's tropical forests are so degraded they have become a source rather than a sink of carbon emissions. According to a new study that highlights the urgent need to protect and restore the Amazon and similar regions. Researchers found that forest areas in South America, Africa, and Asia, which until recently have played a key role in absorbing greenhouse gases, are now releasing 425 teragrams of carbon annually, which is more than all the traffic in the United States. This is a far greater loss than previously thought and carries extra weight because the data emerges from the most detailed examination of the topic ever undertaken. The authors say their findings, published in the journal Science on Thursday, should galvanize policymakers to take remedial action. Quote, this shows that we just can't sit back. The forest is not doing what we thought it was doing, said Alestra Bassini, who is one of the lead authors of the research team from the Woods Hole Research Center and Boston University. As always, trees are removing carbon from the atmosphere, but the volume of the forest is no longer enough to compensate for the losses. The region is not a sink anymore, end quote. This is very, very scary for me. The study went further than any of its predecessors in measuring the impact of disturbance and degradation, the thinning of tree density and the culling of biodiversity below an apparently protected canopy, usually as a result of selective logging, fire, drought, and hunting. This can reduce biomass by up to 75%. But it's much more difficult for satellites to monitor than deforestation, which is, the, you know, the total clearage of foliage, because when viewed from above, the canopy appears uninterrupted despite the depletion underneath. To make more accurate data, scientists combined 12 years of s- satellite data with field studies. They found a net carbon loss on every continent. Latin America, home to the Amazon, the world's biggest forest accounted for nearly 60% of the emissions, while 24% came from Africa and 16% from Asia. Overall, more carbon was lost to degradation and disturbance than deforestation. 
The researchers stress that this is an opportunity as well as a concern because it's now possible to identify which areas are more affected and restore forests before they disappear completely. Quote, Prior to this, we knew degradation was a problem, but we didn't know where or how much, said Wayne Walker, another one of the lead authors. It's easier to address the problem when there is still some of the forest left standing. Their priority is to protect pristine forests with high carbon density. The most effective way of doing this, he said, was to support land rights for indigenous people. Quote, those living in the forest can make a difference, Walker said. End quote. Unfortunately, many governments whose terrorists, I said terrorists, whose territories are home to tropical forests are moving in the opposite direction. In Brazil and Colombia, for example, deforestation has accelerated rapidly in the past year. Quote, when I look at these numbers and the map of where the changes are occurring, it's shocking, said Bassini, who has a two-year-old son. My child may not see many of these forests. At this rate of change, they will not be there, end quote. But he said numbers should be a driver for action, end quote. We need to be positive. Let's turn tropical forests back into a sink. We need to restore degraded areas, he said. As far as technology for reducing carbon is concerned, this is low-hanging fruit. We know how to protect and sustain forests. It's a relatively cost-effective, end quote. Yeah, protecting and sustaining forests is a little easier than hoping that we'll come up with some magical technology that just sucks the carbon out of the air, you know. <laughs> well, there is magical technology already. It's called trees. It's called trees, yeah. Well, and this, this study was concerning because I remember when I read uh, Six Degrees, I believe Mark Linus was the author's name. It cites what's going to happen with each degree of warming. And one of the major concerns that they were concerned about in terms of feedback loops is what happens when the uh, the Amazon and the other big tropical forests start becoming carbon emitters instead of carbon sinks. And that's no longer hypothetical. That is, the study shows that it is currently happening. Now, I mean, in some good news, there is a directive uh, coming out there for everybody to plant a tree every year. So. Yeah. If you can get involved with that, we like to breathe, so let's figure out a way to plant a tree every year to try to offset this. Yeah, breathing is good. I've grown rather fond of it, too. <laughs> so. All right, so let's see if we have other news here. Uh, just one moment while I pull it up. Uh, here we go. Oh, there, here we go. Solar energy boom sets new record. Boom. expectations. <laughs> Driven largely by a boom in solar power, renewable energy expansion has hit record-breaking totals across the globe and is shattering expectations, especially in the United States, where projections were pessimistic just a decade ago. Well, I mean, when you have really low expectations, it's <laughs> easy to break those, right? <laughs> yeah. You set your expectations low, and you get constantly surprised by good things. Uh, yeah. So in 2016, almost two-thirds of the new power capacity came from renewables, bypassing net coal generation growth globally for the first time. So there's still a lot of coal out there, but solar is growing more than coal. Most of the expansion came from a 50% growth in solar, much of it in China. 
in the U.S., solar power capacity doubled compared to 2015. Itself a record-breaking year, with the country adding 14.5 gigawatts of solar power. Gigawatts, gigawatts, gigawatts. Far-pacing government projections. In the first half of 2017, wind and solar accounted for 10% of monthly electric generation for the first time. Yeah, I remember that. That was quite a milestone. Yeah, in the past, I mean, we've, we, we so talked about reports, how... You know. One from the International Energy Agency, which looked at growth in renewables globally, and one from the National our Natural Resource Defense Council, which tracked growth in the U.S. They were published this week, both telling the same basic story. Quote, we had very similar findings. 2016, from U.S. perspective, was a great year for renewable energy and energy efficiency, said Amanda Levin, a co-author of the NRDC report. Quote, China is still the largest source of new power, but in the U.S. we're seeing an increase in renewables year over year. And yeah, part of the thing with the story is that their predictions were so low earlier that um, they're now shocked by the fact that how well solar is doing, and renewables generally. Yeah, I mean, literally, the agency forecast in 2006, they installed 46 times that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that agency was slightly pessimistic, like 46 times too pessimistic. And the agency likewise didn't predict the drop in coal-fired power generation, which plummeted by nearly 45%, primarily due to... Um, cheap natural gas so yeah globally uh, so, yeah. Go. still an important one to note too because if uh, if we have all the renewable growth and coal doesn't go down then that just means we're using more energy and not uh, reducing our emissions yeah I mean historically renewable energy was you know geothermal and hydropower and then you know wind a lot but now it's a primarily you know, wind and solar. Yeah. Clean energy sources accounted for two-thirds of new electricity capacity. Um, so, exciting news. Now, even yeah. more exciting than that, hold on to your car seat because General Motors is going all electric. All electric. Okay, I don't think I ever thought I would read this title. Yeah, I never thought I would either. Now, how long it'll take them to get there? Well, we don't know. But after more than a century peddling vehicles that pollute the atmosphere, General Motors is ending its relationship with gasoline and diesel. This morning, the American automotive giant announced that it is working towards an all-electric zero-emissions future. That starts with two new fully electric vehicles models next year, then at least 18 more by 2023. That product onslaught puts the company at the forefront of an increasingly large crowd of automakers proclaiming the age of electricity and promising to move away from gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles. In recent months, Volvo, Austin Martin, and Jaguar Land Rover have announced similar moves. GM's declaration, though, is particularly noteworthy because it's among the very largest automakers on the planet. It sold 10 million cars last year, ranging from pickups to SUVs to urban runabouts. Quote, 
General Motors believes the future is all electric. Said Mark Russ, the company's head of product, we are far along in our plan to lead the way to that future world, end quote. Russ did not give a date for the death knoll, <laughs> the death knoll of the GM gas or diesel-powered cars, so the transition will happen at different speeds in different markets and regions. The new all-electric models will be a mix of battery electric cars and fuel cell-powered cars. To be sure, GM's jolt of electricity is planned with its shareholders in mind. The Trump administration may be moving to roll back fuel efficiency requirements in the U.S., but the rest of the world is insisting on an electric age. France, Great Britain, the Netherlands, and Norway have all said they plan to ban the sale of gas and diesel cars in the coming decades. More importantly, China, the world's largest car market, and India, a rising star, plan to join them. No automaker can compete globally without a compelling stable of electric cars. Now, GM's General Motors history has not been especially kind to electric mobility. Its invention of the automatic starter helped kill the first wave of electric cars at the start of the 20th century. This is the company that experienced with battery power in the EV1, only to recall the two-seater from its owners, crush them all, and pile up the carcasses up in a junkyard. In the first years of the 21st century, while Toyota was making hybrids popular with the Prius, GM was hawking the Hummer. So they are really trying to shift their message, right? Yeah. The history was part of what makes it so shocking. Like, I, I remember watching Who Killed the Electric Car. Well, I remember organizing showings of Who Killed the Electric Car. Because they had that EV1, and some of the drivers wanted to keep it after the car period, but... They collected them all and crushed them. <laughs> you know, it's kind of harsh. So you don't think but, anybody out there illegally kept one hidden in their garage? I've wondered, you know, like, there's probably, you know, it's theoretically possible. Someone probably said, oh, it got totaled, and then they got to keep it. You know, <laughs> you never know. But uh, in any case, they, they are changing their tune now. And I like the fact that this article points out that it's not out of the kindness of their hearts to some ecological imperative they know that the global market is shifting and so they're trying to follow what other pioneers have been doing for years well the same thing's happening with coal i mean coal can't compete with the you know cheap natural gas and therefore um is declining and solar energy is popping up because it's competing it's the cheapest way to put in new energy quickly and you know cheaper and so I mean, yes, it's saving the planet, but people are doing it for the economic reasons, and that's how it should be, right? I don't know. Sometimes you have to do things not based on economic reasons, but... Yeah. But it doesn't hurt to make it more economically feasible. That's my, you know, I tend to push things on ethical reasons rather than economic reasons, but if the economics are favorable, then that helps. Well, the Scottish government in- agrees with you. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into this next one, then. Here we go. The Scottish government bans fracking after public opposition. The Scottish government has blamed fracking, or banned, <laughs> banned fracking, after a consultation found overwhelming public opposition 
and little economic justification for the industry. Paul Wheelhouse, the Scottish Energy Minister, told MSPs that allowing fracking would undermine the government's ambitions to deeply cut Scotland's climate emissions and would lead to unjustifiable environmental damage. Now, that's, that's a message that people in Illinois and the U.S. could benefit from hearing. Although Scotland needs nat- allegedly needs nat- natural gas for heating and its chemical industries, economists with KPMG had estimated that allowing unconventional coal and gas extraction to take place would only increase Scotland's GDP by about 0.1%. So yeah, there are all these claims of like, oh, we have these huge economic benefits of fracking, but in many cases they're overselling it. They're just trying to play up the supposed positives in order to overcome the negatives. But causing environmental ruin is uh, areas where it would take place. So a public consultation on fracking policy attracted more than 65,000 responses, with about 65% of those from communities in former coal mining areas of central Scotland targeted by the fracking industry. Of those, 99% of respondents opposed it. That's pretty remarkable, 99% of respondents, you know. Well, especially so it was from communities cause, yeah, quote, that were coal. Long-lasting negative impacts on communities, he said, damaging public health, the environment, and Scotland's climate goals. A long-standing moratorium in Scotland on allowing planning permission would be made permanent. We also added, until Hollyrood was given the powers to control licensing of oil and gas exploration. So the Mary Church, the head of the campaigns at Friends of the Earth Scotland, said, quote, This is a victory for the environment and for local communities fighting fracking. This is a huge win for the anti-fracking movement, particularly for those on the front line of this dirty industry here in Scotland, who have been working on it these past six years. And it's good news for people in other countries, too, because anytime you can point to a precedent saying, you know, numerous countries have banned it, here are the reasons why. Maybe Illinois should <laughs> reconsider the issue. Uh, that becomes helpful. In in other ways that economics have stopped a project, major tar sands oil pipeline canceled, dealing blow to Canada's export hopes. The long-term future of Canada's tar sands suffered a blow Thursday when TransCanada announced it would cancel a major pipeline project. Decision on the line, which would have carried 1.1 million barrels of crude from Alberta to the Atlantic coast, sets back efforts by energy companies to send more of the oil overseas. The Energy East project has slumped through three years of regulatory review. Over that period, the price of oil collapsed, dragging down the prospects of growth in production in the tar sands, which is one of the most expensive and carbon-intensive sources of oil. <coughs> In a statement, TransCanada said that the decision came after, quote, careful review of change circumstances, end quote. The company said it expects to write down an estimated $800 million after-tax loss in its fourth quarter results. Simon Dyer, Alberta Director for the Pembini Institute, a Canadian environmental research group, said darkening prospects for the tar sands doomed the pipeline. It's this darkening prospects talking about oil. <laughs> okay. Quote, there does not seem to be a business case for the project, he said in an email. 
Andrew Leach, uh, economic economist at the University of Alberta School of Business, said, quote, the economics, economics have just turned against it entirely, end quote. Kevin Byrne, an analyst with IHS Market, said he thought the slow regulatory progress, rather than changing market conditions, led TransCanada to cancel the Energy Ease project. In August, Canadian regulators said they would consider the indirect climate emissions associated with the pipeline as part of the review process, a step that was sure to delay approval, if not doom it. Yeah, so they're billing it as a economic reasons, of course, but then the fact that climate action, you know, climate review was going to be taken contributes to those economic reasons. Holidays. Yes. Come and take it day? What does that mean? Um, I don't know some of these holidays. I- <laughs> Some of them I looked up beforehand, but I haven't with this list. <laughs> well, World Smile Day, that's a good one. That's an obvious one, yeah. Fine. Mad Hatter Day. <laughs> and Bald and Free Day is coming up. So, yeah, not being embarrassed of being bald. International, International Frugal, Frugal Fun, Fun Day. Day. <laughs> I celebrate that every Saturday to yeah. have Frugal Fun. <laughs> it's like... It's World Card-Making Day also, so that would be frugal fun, right? Okay, so yeah, we have American Touch Tag Day, Oktoberfest is starting up. Oh, we've got it wrong on the calendar here. I forgot to correct this one. It it says Columbus Day, but we all know it's really Indigenous Peoples Day. (laughs) It's also Curious Events Day, so I'm curious why we still call it Columbus Day. (laughs) Are Are we proud that a guy got lost and found us? It's also Leif Erikson Day, so which one really found America? Yeah. <laughs> so, International Newspaper Carrier Day. Oh, National Angel Food, Food Cake Day is coming up on Tuesday. And Emergency Nurses Day. Like, all, nurses of all sorts do very important, very good work, so any day to celebrate them is good. It's my party day. National Fossil Day and Take Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a writer and stay-at-home dad, so I'm usually working from home, and I have teddy bears here, so I will celebrate Take Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Cookbook Launch Day and Old Farmer's Day and Moment of Frustration Day. Why would we give a day for a moment of frustration? <laughs> Just, I have to get it out of your system. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic because October is sarcastic month. Oh, there you go. It's also... Oh, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and just Appreciation Month. Oh, lots of good months here. It's National Pizza Month. I should yeah. have more pizza this month. <laughs> Now, for a few days here, Can't Stand the Weather, Texas and Florida Fundraiser. This is a Southern Illinois Musicians Cooperative for Flood Relief. Over 40 professional musicians have volunteered their time to perform on this weekend at three separate venues. Everything has been donated. The only cost is a percentage um, if you want to donate through GoFundMe. But 100% of your v- 
venue donations go directly to the benefactors. The Houston Food Bank and the Second Harvest Food Bank, which is in Orlando. And the venues are Friday, Bruce Brothers Tap Room, Saturday, the Varsity Center, Sunday, Trails End Lodge. And the dates are, again, Friday, 6 to 11 p.m. at Bruce Brothers Tap Room, Saturday, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Varsity, and Sunday, Trails End Lodge, 1 to 11 p.m. So, music all evening, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at three venues. All the funds collected will go directly to feed people in Houston and Orlando. Yeah, so it's a great time for a great cause. And such an amazing lineup of music, too. Tons of local music. So we also have coming up the Natural Beekeeping Workshop. That's October 6th to 8th at the Diami Community Center. Michael Bush is hosting an educational weekend as they explore natural beekeeping in southern Illinois. Now, I, we mentioned this quote last week, and it's a great quote. Uh, his work is on the concept that, quote, the bees know better than the beekeeper does. So now, obviously, the beekeeper still does some things, but the goal is to learn from the wisdom of the bees and work with it rather than against it. So uh, for more information on that, uh, they've got bushfarms.com is his website, and it's over at 6 to 8, October 6 to 8 at the Diami Community Center. Native Tree and Shrub Sale, Saturday from 8 until 2 p.m. at Murdell True Value. Keep Carbondale Beautiful sells native trees and shrubs in three-gallon pots uh, for $30, $20 for most shrubs. If you can, order in advance at keepcb.org slash treesale. That way they can have enough and satisfy your special request. They can order non-natives for you, too. They'll be in front of the True Value Murdell next to Green Earth and their native grasses and other perennials. You can also come and get free advice from um, a lot of people who know how to grow these things. Yes. Coming up on Saturday also, the Vigil for Peace and Justice. Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. at the Carbondale Town Square. The Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois is having their monthly vigil. The vigil will join the No to War Coalition to draw attention to the forgotten permanent war which every day kills Afghan civilians with U.S. ground and air attacks and continues to sacrifice U.S. service men and women. Now, it's like, it's, this war has been going on for 16 years now, and we tend to not really talk about it anymore, but it's still going on. 16 so this years. Vigil is, yeah. It's crazy to think of how long it's been going and just the level of sustained violence over time. And besides Afghanistan, the U.S. is threatening wider wars around the world, including Syria, Iraq, Korea, Somalia, Pakistan, Yemen, Iran, Philippines, Venezuela, and elsewhere. We might not even know all the places. They do some stuff secretly sometimes. So this is on Saturday, noon to 1 p.m. at the Carbonell Town Square. They're having a vigil to bring awareness to this and probably talk about solutions as well. Also happening on Saturday is the National Tour of Solar, and locally it is heartlandsolartour.org. 
and uh, WDBX is got solar on the roof, and so they'll be part of the tour also. But again, HeartlandSolarTour.org open house from ten till three on Saturday, first Saturday of October. All right, and we can just mention one or two of these quick. We're almost out of time. Vigil for Vegas is on Sunday at 8 p.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. People of all faiths are gathering for uh, prayers on behalf of the victims of the Las Vegas uh, attack that just recently happened. And they're 8 to 9.30 at the Guy House in the Labyrinth Peace Park on Sunday. Go Solar and Smart Grid, Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. at Mackey's Pizza in Marion, Johnny Logan College is partnering with Advanced Energy Solutions to offer a series of community events to educate consumers on the benefits of solar and to provide information about smart grid and smart grid technology. Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. at Mackey's Pizza in Marion. You have been listening to an exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit.